Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys, I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. guys thanks for joining today we had an episode request for colorado so today is going to center around massachusetts just kidding i was like wait what <laughs> no no we're gonna we are talking about colorado so colorado laney and i both chose a property to bring to the pod today and laney is we are remote recording so hopefully that all sounds okay so my property that i chose me ashley is in black forest colorado in the deep dense forest off swan road also, FYI, Casey, when I was telling him the property I was doing earlier today, he was like, is this like Black Forest Ham? Is this like ghostly pigs? And I was like, what? Black Forest Ham comes from Black Forest Germany. And there are confusions about that. So there is a Black Forest Germany and there is a Black Forest in Colorado. So we are in and today Colorado. today we are serving Black Forest Ham. I would rather some Black Forest cake, probably. Okay. So, we are not in Germany. So, this today is the Lee House and argued by some as one of the most haunted houses in the world. And if you think we've said that many times before, well, we have. Um, We have indeed. Everybody likes to claim their property is the most haunted, the most spooky, the most evil. I mean, I guess somewhere that does have to be true, but this this is a spooky one for sure. So, it is... Claimed by some as the most haunted, but you know, at this point I'm a little jaded to it because I'm like, okay, let me see what it has to offer. So maybe you think it's the most haunted in the world, then that's fine. So be it. Your opinion is yours. So I'll say after researching this, that there is something that does seem to be like weirdly more authentic about this property. And by that, I mean like every, a lot of properties we talk about have weird history and stuff like that. But like we did Amityville a couple of weeks ago, whether that's haunted or not, you know, that's up for debate. Did seven people for sure die there? Yes. Six people murdered there. Is it haunted with some pretty horrible memories? Definitely. This one is not going to be so much horrible memories. These people themselves are not well known. Um, You don't see like family pictures of them. They're not really trying to bring attention to themselves. So for some reason, I guess I, I felt like that seemed like you know what, I don't think they're out here trying to get attention. Like, I think this seems a little bit more genuine. And finding information out about this property is difficult because they didn't want it. They they weren't, like, trying to put themselves out there. They weren't like, hey, let's open this house up for a ghost museum and people can come in and pay us money for it. Like, they weren't trying to profit off this. So in that regard, it does feel like there's some more authenticity here involved. So the Black Forest is a smaller community. It's definitely rural, so people are pretty spread out. So it may feel even smaller than it actually is just by ratio of land to people. It's located northeast of Colorado Springs, which I have actually been to. So the settlement here began in the mid-1850s. Its primary resource, because it's a forest, was lumber. And according to Only In Your State... At one point, it employed more than a thousand lumberjacks 
and 700 Teamsters. This area turned out over a billion board feet of lumber for multiple railroads, including Kansas uh, Pacific, Denver, Rio Grande, and New Orleans Railroad. So when you're imagining the scene, there are a lot of trees and forests. So Steve Lee is, because I think he's still alive, a normal, happy guy, was married to his wife, Beth. He was Wait, a- are we, I guess we're not in the 1850s anymore. We are talking about someone still alive. Oh, I am, yes. Actually, I'm literally about to say what year we're in here. We're in. How old is he? Not 1850. Oh, yeah, I did. And then I said he's still alive from the 1850s. Um, yeah, totally 170 years old. No, not what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. So we're in the early 1990s. Got it. It's just an older lumber community was the only part I meant there. But thank you. Yes, I should have clarified that. So he was a trucker that was that would drive through the Black Forest. Um, One source said they were from Louisiana. He drove through the Black Forest area all the time and just fell in love with the scenery. So Steve brought his wife and his two sons to live in Black Forest. They rented a few different homes before they decided to settle in a gorgeous log cabin in the secluded forest off Swan Road in 1991. That's when I was going to say it. So sorry about that. That sounds so magical, though, off Swan Road. I know. Uh, I have a feeling it's not a magical story, but we'll see. So now this part that they lived in is part of the densest part of the forest, according to what I read. So they rented the home initially, and at the end of the lease, they wanted to purchase it from the landlord, so they did. Unbeknownst to them, the landlord, who in one source, everyone said it was the landlord, and then in another source, it said the previous renter. So the person that lived there before them, we'll just say that, did actually think that the home was haunted, so was eager to hand it off to somebody else or move out. It was also in multiple articles that the seller or previous person was not trying to be malicious by not telling the Lees that, hey, this might be haunted, but he was actually really embarrassed because he didn't want to be ridiculed or people think he was stupid or crazy, which I hate when that happens because I totally get that feeling of, I know if I say this to somebody, the second it comes out my mouth, I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm loony. But so they weren't trying to be malicious by not telling them that, yeah, I think weird things go on here. So once they purchased the property, within a couple of weeks, the paranormal activities start. And before we really start here, I'm not moving to a secluded area. Kudos to those that can, but not me. Like seclusion and knowing like they're in a deep, dense forest, that really freaks me out. So Yeah, that sounds like a, a nightmare movie right there. Yeah, just if I looked out and I just saw forest and trees all around me, there would be something eerie to me that just like, yeah, I can't be here by myself. No, not at all, especially at nighttime looking out the windows. Yeah, Airbnb, that's one thing, but like living there, no. I need to get to a hospital quickly, the grocery store quickly, my kids' schools, you know, like I'm not doing that. But also the city kind of also freaks me out but that the city of Colorado Springs no just like the thought of like moving into like a very overpopulated city sounds horrible to me and then complete seclusion also sounds horrible to me so oh yeah and you need a happy medium if you've got kids it's it's hard to raise kids in a city and you don't want them murdered in a secluded area (laughs) right Well, I don't want them murdered at all, so definitely. Also, like, deep in the woods, I'm pretty positive that any witch that ever existed lived deep in the woods. So I'm not, I'm not about to go moving into any secluded area like that because I've never Wait, met. you're a- positive that an entity always lives deep in the woods? Did you say entity? That's what I heard you say. I'm sorry. I, I said witch. 
I'm sure oh. I feel like every witch I've ever thought of, every one of their addresses is deep in the woods somewhere. True. I, I was thinking of Bell Witch when you were thinking of 18 or saying 1800s in the woods, lots of trees. Yeah. Okay. So from our community now, Beth recounts some of the early activity. One day we came home and it was like the 4th of July in our living room and bedroom. We had all kinds of lights flashing through and it sounded like people stomping across the roof. We would lay in bed at night and hear chains rattling. One night we woke up and heard orchestra music. Strange things started happening every day. So she also recounts that appliances would turn on and off by themselves. The two sons would see shadow people. They would see shadow people most often in their room, but they would also see them out in the woods. Um, So if you remember, we talked about shadow people in our Alaskan Triangle episode part two, and (laughs) in the triangle, shadow people are more common due to the energy in that region. The Black Forest is also known to hold negative energy that may be attracting or causing these kinds of disturbances. So Wonderful. So it, it holds a lot of energy. Is it in a triangle by chance? Um, I don't think it's actually in a triangle, but there are, and we'll talk about it in the story, but there are people that think that there's definitely energy here of some kind and possibly a portal. So um, the boys would see strange lights in and around the house. Uh, the whole family noticed when they came in the house one day that there was a strange chemical odor in the air. They all experienced burning in their eyes and throat, making it difficult to see and breathe. Steve was not buying that this was paranormal activity, though, the dad. He did notice the weird things happening, but believed it had to be somebody that was just messing with them. And he thought... Why do the dads always say it's it's not paranormal? They're it's always, always the dads. They're always the naysayers. I know. What is that? I mean, I guess there has to be, like, one rational person before everybody, like, goes into mass hysteria. Oh, I think it's but... all machismo. Like, I can handle whatever's out there. Oh. I'm the dad. Yeah. Well, he wasn't like, I can handle a ghost. He was like yeah this isn't a ghost um he thought he did think it was something like he didn't say like that's not happening or that doesn't exist he just thought there's a rational explanation he thought look we love this house probably other people love this house and they're just trying to like scare us out of this house because they just bought it remember they rented it for a while and this didn't really start happening until they purchased it so he really was clinging on to the fact for a long time that somebody was just trying to play a trick on them, scare them, messing with them, whatever. Uh, Could you imagine that buyer's remorse if you bought a house you previously rented and then shit went to hell? I know. Nothing was happening while you were renting. I tested it out and it's Uh, fine. Yeah, Yeah, totally fine. So to combat this uh, supposed person that was playing tricks on them, Steve installed alarm systems and some high-tech cameras in and around the house. Obviously high-tech for 1991. So there was video surveillance and it was motion activated. So... True to creepy form, the motion activator would go off frequently, but you couldn't see anything. Um, So something was tripping the motion detector. So it was being set off by some kind of movement. And the alarm in the house would frequently go off for seemingly no reason. So between 1991 and 1993, they had multiple, quote, break-ins because the alarm was going off, the motion detectors were going off. and That would freak me out the most. So the El Paso County Police opened up an investigation. They came to the house 45 times, but they never caught any criminals. The camera was catching strange lights, light streaks, shadows, which really freaks me out. And Casey and I yeah. decided to watch Paranormal Activity last week. And that movie- So did I. Did you watch it because I told you about it? Was to- Oh, yeah, because I was talking to you about it, right? 
Yeah, I was texting you while I was watching it. Like, I don't remember how this ends. Oh, yeah, I remember how this ends. Yeah. So that movie really freaks me out because you know there's an entity there and you can't really see it. And there's at least one scene where you do see a shadow. So, like, no thanks. And it's been following her since childhood and has a picture of her. Ooh, know. I'm good. Well, did you watch part two? No, I can only do one at a time. Maybe well, one a month. I oh oh okay. Casey and I did watch one, two, and three. Two is also good. Three is part of the story, so in that regard, it's good, but it's not as good. So apparently, back to the story. Apparently, on the video, sometimes you could see ghostly type figures, like that swoosh. Some people felt like they saw faces on the camera. Um, so over a four-year period. The family had 62 unexplained quote, quote unquote, break-ins, uh, which of course are alarms going off and um, alarms and the video and all sorts of things. So the police were very aware of this house and the strange things that were happening. And there were strange lights, chain sa- sounds, shadow figures. The family literally nearly went broke trying to figure out what this was trying to install every piece of high-tech equipment that they possibly could to catch, in Steve's mind, whoever was messing with them. So That really sucks because, you know, the more money they're spending, the least likely it is they're going to be able to afford to move somewhere else if they need to. Yeah. So they were looking for answers. Beth and the kids definitely were looking for answers about this paranormal entity. And I think Steve, after four years, was starting to at least open his mind to this might not. This might not be somebody somebody living messing with us or, you know, that that's something paranormal. He was open to that because at this point, like, they were financially struggling big time just trying to figure out what was going on so he was open to maybe it is haunted so in that sort of state of desperation of course it's 1990 at this point it's 1995 so beth and steve called the tv show a tv show called sightings um and before we look at this and start being fully suspicious because they called a tv crew my thoughts are you don't have access to a lot of information in 1995 so you're not just gonna open up google and be like who can come exercise my house or who can come, you know, talk to the spirits in my house. to someone. Yeah. So I'm not looking at this like they were trying to get attention by calling a TV show. That's probably the only thing they ever heard of that they could possibly do. Yeah, Um, that makes sense. Yeah, just Google is not hanging around in 1995. So, and who knows, in a secluded area, they might not have even been getting phone books. I don't know. So they somehow knew of the show and felt like that was the only option. So I think we should definitely consider that, especially in older cases where resources for this kind of thing isn't very publicized and definitely not easy to find. So the TV crew came out and brought a sidekick to the property with them. After their sidekick did their psychic thing, they said that there was an angry male spirit that was in the living room and at least 20 more spirits around the house. She even said that the amount of activity in this house was, quote, monumental, end quote. Monumental, you say? Yes. The camera was knocked off the tripod more than one time. So as a psychic was doing psychic things at their kitchen table, Beth, the wife, felt like there was somebody holding her down. Oh, God. I'm going to pause here for a second because I want to talk about when we discussed Ed and Lorraine and the Conjuring house. They were kicked out of the house by the Perrin family at one point because Lorraine 
and this was reported by the Perrin family, was making making things worse by trying to communicate with the entities. So Beth feeling like something was pushing down on her while the psychic is there doing psychic things. I could see that happening because you're now you're communicating with these entities and they even talk about it that in paranormal activity. Don't pay it any attention. Yeah, it's like you're giving it more control and now it's touching your body and holding you down. Yeah. So if you remember from the Conjuring episode, Lorraine Warren came to perform a seance and it just wasn't good. And so I totally just forgot the dad's name. Mr. Perrin? Peter? Roger. Roger. Thank you. I'm like, Peter Perrin. No. Uh, (laughs) Peter Perrin Perrin had a parrot. I don't know. Yes. Roger Perrin. Thank you. Yeah. Had to kick out Ed and Lorraine because he, they felt like it was just making everything worse. So I'm thinking, you know, think, think twice. I'm not saying don't do it. You need to do what's right for you, but you know, be careful bringing in somebody to communicate with any of the supernatural. Um, Cause something about that seems like you're placating whatever it is and give it, you're just giving it more energy by identifying it, talking to it. So just don't do it. Human curiosity is going to be our ultimate downfall. Absolutely. Anyway, so while the psychic was psychicking, Beth felt like something was pushing down or holding her down. And one of the crew members said she felt something go into her. Like the crew member felt something go into her. She said her chest, arms, and legs just started to go numb. She continued to feel that way until she was miles from the house. So the TV show sightings definitely confirmed that this house was haunted. About two weeks after the crew left, the Stephen Lee woke up one morning with a throbbing headache and a lump on his head and he went to the tapes because he's videoing everything to check to see what the hell happened because like I would probably remember getting a lump on my head so he went to the tapes and there was a picture that was taken it was taken due to like the motion activation so he goes to security footage not a photographer ghost that was taking pictures (laughs) and there was a bright white light like a lightning bolt shape aimed at his forehead um he did end up going to the er and got scanned but literally i mean there was nothing conclusive as to what happened to him so struck by lightning struck by some sort of entity i don't know but it's it's eerie um and the lump eventually like it healed and faded after some time all right sightings came back to the property on swan road six months later they came back with a very well-known psychic peter james which I I didn't know him, but that doesn't mean anything because I only know Miss Cleo. So when he arrived, he said he felt a powerful energy on the property. He was also drawn to similar areas as the previous psychic was. When he was on the property, the same unknown chemical smell came back and started burning their eyes and throat again. In this moment, James the psychic asked if the name Howard meant anything to Beth and Steve. They both looked surprised, and Steve even was quoted saying, there is no way on God's green earth he would have known about Howard. So this was a very personal name to Beth and Steve and really caught them off guard. Howard had been a family friend. He was the son of their pharmacist friend who died years previously of an overdose. So Howard supposedly told the medium that he did not die of an overdose, but he was actually murdered. Wow. We're not quite sure what the chemical smell was, but they were guessing that it was maybe a mixture of pharmaceutical drugs and it was kind of the smell of them together. Maybe he was like poisoned or something and that's what they called the overdose. Unfortunately, I couldn't find anything further about Howard and whether or not he was murdered and what even came out of that. But I think but it, they knew Howard, but they knew Howard and they definitely were spooked by this. And maybe it made Steve more of a believer that something was happening because the name Howard would be kind of random. And not that Howard is a super uncommon name, but it's not like saying, do you know a John? 
because probably everybody knows at least one John. (laughs) But it was presumed that he was trying to come through this portal and send a message to his father that he had not taken his life or committed suicide or actually overdosed. So they had a Hopi shaman visit the property and... A Hopi shaman? What is that? Like a Native American shaman. Oh, okay. Of the Hopi tribe. He said the property is located in what he called a rainbow vortex, which he explained was a gateway between the living and the deceased. So they may not actually be haunting that property, but it's like the gateway to Disneyland. A lot of people are going to be passing through it to get somewhere else. So that's a really creepy thought. Yeah. So ghosts were just going through it just to get to wherever else they were trying to go. So that's great. Um, On the property, there's also a mirror that's probably about 150 years old now that would catch reflections of ghosts for years. This mirror was catching reflections of ghosts. Get rid of the mirror. (laughs) There's even some pictures that uh, I added to this. So you can look at the pictures or some of them. So it would catch some faces, some glowing eyes. It also caught orbs and streaks and other like strange lights and activity. And I'm not sure where the mirror came from. I guessed that it was already on the property when they moved in. Steve Lee was has multiple theories as to what he thinks is happening at the property, which he doesn't think people are playing pranks on him. So I guess that's good. He says it could be supernatural, but he has also suspected that it is part of a government experiment. Really? Yes. He has said that he has seen armed men around the property before and men in uniform. He even thought they may have been experimenting with mind control on the family. He did unsuccessfully try to get the FBI involved. Um, Either way, many people have visited the property with with the family's permission. And again, like I said, from anything I read, it wasn't like them trying to profit off of it, but they have invited certain people there to probably validate them. Sure. And a lot of the, of course, people were going in, a lot of them as skeptics. So one included a state senator and another was an electromagnetic expert. They both left the experience more believers in the supernatural. And the state senator was Charles Duke of Colorado. He came with his own camera ready to debunk the whole thing. He also got strange photographs and even took that to the FBI too and was like, hey, you need to go out there, see what's going on. The FBI declined an investigation due to the fact that no federal laws were involved here. So they couldn't, they couldn't really do anything. So in conclusion of that, as of 2016, the Lees were still living at the property. It did go up for sale around then, and they were specifically looking for somebody that would respect paranormal or respect whatever was going on there. Gosh, uh, well, they should, but could you imagine looking at a house and them being like, we need to make sure you respect the paranormal? And like, what if your husband's like, what the fuck? And I'm like... Yeah, yeah, honey, you need to respect it. Like, I love this kitchen. (laughs) Just say yes, honey, okay? Stop talking. So as far as the Black Forest haunting goes, that's it for now on that. So the family is pretty quiet. You won't find, I I mean, I didn't find family pictures of them. And like I said before, which sort of to me brings an authenticity to it, they weren't trying to make themselves celebrities out of it. They don't seem to want like a whole lot of attention for it. They didn't choose it, but they just sort of came to accept the situation. Today we were talking about Hotel Colorado. It is in Glenwood Springs, and it is known as an icon. When this historic hotel was built in 1893 by Walter Devereaux, he was a silver baron and one of the early settlers of Glenwood Springs. This was a time the West was a-booming. 
There was promise of fortune built on gold and silver, which really enticed thousands of those willing to move to the West and explore a new way of living far from the confines of bustling cities. The year it was opened, it was actually eight years after the town itself incorporated. And this was meant to attract the wealthy and elite uh, from the wild frontier mining town, and it became Glenwood Springs. Some of its most famous guests include Diamond Jack Eltery, a known Chicago gangster in the Roaring Twenties, the unsinkable Molly Brown, who survived Ooh. the Titanic, and additionally, the hotel was named, Ashley will love this, the White House of the West, as it hosted former presidents Theodore Roosevelt and William Howard Taft. Well, Teddy's just hanging out at all the hotels, isn't he? Manger? Come on now. Lots of history. I know. Wow, I just went like super country. Come on, man. Manger. What is it about talking about Colorado that's making me feel more country? Because I'm like, Colorado. I don't know what that is. And I'm from Texas. I I don't know either. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's turned me into this. I do the same thing with Tallahassee because my father-in-law lives in Tallahassee. And I'm like, Tallahassee. I don't know. They really do have um, certain accents over there. So Florida Panhandle, you know. All right, go ahead. That's awesome. Well, I did grab a fun fact uh, that while William Taft was offered exclusive use of the hot springs pool at the hotel, he declined saying, I found it's much better for a man of my size not to bathe in public. (laughs) So he kindly turned down exclusive use of the pool. Okay. Poor guy. guy. Uh, The hotel was styled after resorts of Italy, complete with a European style spa tennis courts, a Victorian garden, a bird sanctuary, a 185-foot fountain of water, and an indoor waterfall. Look, I said waterfall correctly this time. Uh, wait, what did you say last time? Waterfalls? Waterfell. Waterfell, yeah. <laughs> Those Don't go chasing waterfalls. waterfalls. Currently has 130 historic rooms to book, and during off-season, it's around $135 a night, and that is current day. Uh, back then, it did have 190 rooms, but I'm assuming they just, they were smaller rooms. They probably combined uh, 60 of those into, you know, making larger space for people of present day because we like everything bigger so that's you say present day but that's 2023 because i don't know when someone's going to listen to this it could be you know 2030 and we're all using bitcoin at that point you know oh god and i hope not yeah i know Uh, but there's much more to this impressive hotel that meets the eye some say that the ute indians when they were displaced from the land in 1880 put a curse on the land where the hotel now stands some say that the ghosts of the guests who have died in the hotel over the years still roam the halls but in any case the history of the haunted hotel is filled with stories that defy a natural explanation says hotel colorado blog despite the fact that glenwood springs is nearly a thousand miles away from the nearest ocean the hotel was leased to the united states navy for use as a hospital named the u.s naval convalescent hospital it was commissioned on july 5th 1943 to serve patients until the end of the war by the time it was decommissioned in 1946 over 6,500 patients had passed through its doors 
that's a lot of wounded men right there. Sure is. Man, so many of these hotels like just became wartime use. And when sorry, when was this? I missed that. 18 1943, sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah. I mean, that happened with Manger, that that happened with Galvez. So many of these hotels were like, pause, we're not tour, we're not doing tourism right now. Well, like, I think it makes sense, probably even today, if that was the case. I mean, we have much larger populations now. They might even take over our homes, but I could see them making use of hotels just because there are separate rooms and can be easily used more as a hospital with elevators and can you different imagine, accessibility. Can you, like, I, I've thought about that before, especially, like, American Revolution and stuff where it'd be like a soldier would come to your door and be like, hey, um, we need to stay here for the night, you know, seek shelter. So if you could go ahead and feed us and let us sleep here, like anyone comes knocking on my door and ask me for a meal and shelter, I'm like, no, no, (laughs) it's not happening. Um, Well, if it it came to that, it'd probably be a law, just like we had curfew during COVID, we would probably be legally required to do so if say Cyprus became a major war zone, uh, knock on wood, let's hope it never does. Yeah, I, I, I get things would be different, but the thought of that now, it just seems like way crazy. I know, especially if you have young kids in the house or if you if you had a teenager and it was like a young man or a couple young men, you'd be like, stay away from my kids. Uh, yeah, kids are sleeping in, in my basement. room tonight and we're locking the door. Thank God yeah. for five dogs that I have. For sure. Uh, According to Bill Knight, the executive director of the Glenwood Springs Historical Society, the hotel wasn't just a hospital. A small quirk in the naval law requires that any location where sailors are stationed also requires a naval prison known as a brig. And the Hotel Colorado was no exception. A room in the basement held eight prisoner cells, only five by seven feet. All evidence of the brig is now gone, but some Glenwood Wood Springs residents claim that the bars were in place as late as 1974. Oh, wow. So this hotel has served as a hospital, a morgue, because they didn't need to store the people that didn't survive there, and a prison. That's a lot of different uses. I know, and none of the fun kind. But it's got kind of a dark history. It sure does. So a lot of this I did take uh, directly from the hotel's website. So we're going to go explore the hotel a little bit and see what is haunted about it. Okay. So the basement, where we already know had prison and dead people. In 1993, a houseman named Dave was doing his nightly rounds in the basement when he saw an old woman peering into the basement window with her hands cupped around her face. The window was pretty deep and usually required a ladder to get into, so Dave was concerned that she might have fallen in and hurt herself. He walked across the room to turn on the light switch, and when he turned back around, she was gone. Of course she was. She don't want no help. That's that's how they do it. I know. She said, just, I'm here, and then I'm not. Mm -hmm. Have fun thinking about that the rest of your life. Another time, a security guard named Richard was conducting a nighttime tour for six people. A group was standing outside the office of the executive housekeeper when they heard two women talking and a typewriter clicking on in the next room. When they peered into the room, no one was there. And stranger still, there's no record of a typewriter ever being in that room. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that'd be a little creepy to hear, especially on a tour. It'd be grabbing on your both arms 
I don't know. I know because that's it's like called, such a told dis- me. it's a distinct sound too. Yeah, this is a hard click. Uh, yeah, it is. I don't know how typists were doing it back then, just typing all the time. Because, and then you'd see them in like multiple typists in a room together, and they're all typing. You're like, my god. I know. I feel like I would. It's like uh, working in a shared space where multiple people are talking around you and you get confused. I would be like, where where are my thoughts? Now I don't know what I was trying to put down on this page. Yeah. No, Too it, much. It would be, click, click, it click, would click. be interesting. I remember mom had a had a typewriter there for a while when I was little. No, I don't remember that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she did. And I used to make crossword puzzles um, for our stepdad. And um, I wouldn't even put words in there. I just like to type a bunch of letters and be like, find the words. Bye. That is so cute. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know in a crossword at the time that you were not a crossword, um, a word search. In a word search that you were supposed to have words in there. I thought it was just a bunch of jumbled words and you were supposed to see if you could find the word. But um yeah, so I made up my own version of the game. I'm sure you found a word or two. <laughs> uh, so on the main floor, there is a notable ge- ghost named Bobby. He dates to at least World War II. The story goes that she was a nurse, Bobby, a nurse, the <laughs> naval hospital during the war. And she was allegedly sleeping with uh, two men from the army. And she was killed by one of them, a jealous lover. And he was an officer stationed at the hotel. The rumor is both gentlemen were shipped out to cover up the crime, but the story was leaked by local hospital workers. Over the years, Bobby has surfaced in a number of stories around the hotel by guests and people who work there, especially associated with the dining room around lunch and dinner time. Guests and hotel workers have reported smelling the very specific perfume trailing from Bobby's favorite table to the buffet line and back. So she just keeps going to to the buffet and back to her favorite table. Okay, get it, Bobby. Sounds like my kind of girl. <laughs> Hanging so out I where guess. the food is. <laughs> yes. It's all you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> so eat all you can. Yes. Some guests have identified it as a gardenia, which isn't that your favorite perfume smell, Ashley? Yes, I love gardenia and jasmine. Yes, Um, it's a a specific gardenia smell, a perfume very popular in the 30s and 40s that's no longer in production. So, Ashley, you find your favorite and let's bring it back to the population since that is no longer being made. Perhaps one of the most famous ghosts that roams the hotel goes by Walter. Walter. Walter is affectionately named after Walter Devereaux, the hotel's founder, and has been seen on numerous occasions around the hall's lobby, especially during the evening. Walter's presence is marked by the unmistakable, I can't say that word, unmistakable smell of cigar smoke, even though the hotel hasn't allowed smoking inside for years. But it's actually Walter, the ghost. He could be maybe somebody else, they think. Maybe it's not Walter Devereaux. Kelly Rippey Fleming, who has written extensively about the supernatural oddities around the hotel, thinks that Walter might actually be the spirit of E.E. Lucas. Lucas came to work at the hotel as its controller in 1893. Oh, and they were smoking everywhere in 1890s. They were what? They were smoking everywhere in the 1890s, so... Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Lucas came to work in the hotel as its controller and took over as general manager in 1905, just before Teddy Roosevelt's visit. 
He bought the hotel in 1916 and kept it until it's his death in 1927, which point his wife took over ownership until 1938. Might Lucas have had more of a vested interest in seeing how his beloved hotel turned out? Question mark. The rooms upstairs. So it's not just the common areas of the hotel that have been shrouded in mystery. Some of the rooms themselves had host have hosted strange sightings as well. This one it really cracks me up. Uh, in 1993, a man and his wife were staying in room 661, the larger of the two tower suites. The man was feeling pretty ill, so his wife opened the windows, thinking some fresh air would do him good. When she left the room, another woman came in and closed the windows, saying that he needed to stay out of the draft. When the man's wife came back, she reopened the windows, and the process repeated for three whole days while the man was ill. Somebody was coming in and closing it after the wife opened it. This poor guy has two women fighting over the window for him, basically. Interesting. But the couple aren't the only ones to have noticed the woman in room 661. Many guests have reported seeing a woman standing over their bed in that room. Nope. Nope, that's too paranormal activity for me. Nope. I know. And she's usually wearing a floral dress. Yeah, the standing over the bed is creepy, but she did keep closing the window, thinking that she was correct and that the man doesn't need to be in the draft. He's sick. I'm taking care of him. Yeah, but the standing over my bedside, like, can we just put that out there into the universe that standing over me when I'm sleeping is not okay? Just, yes, that that can be placed out there in the universe. I I'm pretty sure no one likes anybody standing over them when they're sleeping. It's incredibly creepy and weird, and that's a good time to just get punched in the face or the crotch, depending on what's closest to me. Something's getting punched, so just stay away from me. For sure, for sure. I mean, I almost punched my own son once because we had a really tall bed at the time and he went and stood up on it. So he was hovering over me as a toddler and scared the absolute life out of me because I could like, cause I was turned, my back was turned to him. And then I heard like the creak of the bed. So I like, slowly turned around like already telling myself there's nothing there like you're about to just be like you know it's nothing and then I see my son just standing over my face and I'm like bah! like mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. still haunts me yeah nope nope that would scare me too I, although I would have preferred that than the time I woke up with uh, my dog Maxine's foot in my mouth that was just a <laughs> Man, I wish I was there to take a picture before, but, you know, whatever. It's still startling when something's in your mouth and you're in that sleepy days and it turns out it's your raptor dog's claw. No, I'm good. Um, Yeah, same. You and Matt sleep closer than me and my dogs do, though. I mean, if our dogs sleep in our bed, they sleep at the foot of the bed. They're not sleeping by my head usually. Yeah, Maxine likes to be the baby spoon, even though we're both the same size spoon. But that's fine. (laughs) Uh, so when you stay at the hotel, you may see one of our old linger- lingering friends. You can certainly guarantee to hear creaking doors and clanging pipes, but that could just be the old building sounds. According to the insider, guests have reported flickering lights, doors unlocking, opening and shutting, and of course, like I said, the lingering smell of cigar smoke or gardenia perfume. I'll take the gardenia are- perfume over the smoke any day. Yes. 
There are other ghosts that include a young girl who fell to her death from a balcony, a housekeeper who unpacks and repacks the guest clothing, and an old woman who randomly appears in the basement, and also a formal, a formal, a former hotel construction worker who skulks around in the attic. Super okay. sad. I but, wonder what uh, skulking I, around I, in, the, in the attic really looks like. What skulking in the attic? Like what him skulking around the attic actually looks like. I would imagine hands in pockets and like his face is down. He's just kind of walking slowly around like bummed. He's in an attic. At least some of the other people get a room. Yeah. Was his room in the attic before? Do we know? Um, since, since he's a construction worker, he might have died like helping build part of it. Now he's in the attic. I have no idea. Maybe it's even a deeper mystery. Someone killed him and put his body in the attic and built around him like Stir of Echoes. I don't like that movie. I know. I've been thinking about it a lot, though. I think I'd like to rewatch it. It's just super scary, but that was a good Kevin Bacon movie. Yeah, that one, but it's a, it, that one really freaks me out when I watched it. Uh, I think I watched it in eighth grade the first time I saw it. And then as an yeah. adult, it's almost a little bit more sad. No, it's super sad. Yeah. Because she was young. Yeah. But we don't want to spoil it. If you've never seen Stir of Echoes, just go watch it yourself. But, you know, Kevin Bacon. Who doesn't like Kevin Bacon? Oh, yeah. Um, but anyways, that wraps up Hotel Col- Colorado. I almost said California again. That's that's really quite difficult. Hotel so I just California. have to listen to that song. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to throw in a thank you to my old and good friend, Bryant, who lives in Boulder, Colorado. He... Uh, requested Hotel Colorado. Bryant owns a really cool business called The Bee's Knees Boulder. He specializes in gardening and culinary expertise for his clients. So if you're looking to spruce up your gardens or maybe just get some education about the plants around your yard or have a mighty fine chef come to your home and cook for you and your friends, check out beesneesboulder.com and give Bryant a call. That's awesome. So here is a new segment we're doing called Arbitrary Anecdotes, um, where I will just share a few weird, probably laws, but anecdotes or facts about stuff in that area. So in Colorado, you don't have to disclose to future buyers if the home is, or if you think it is, you don't have to disclose that it's haunted, which is a common thing to not have to disclose in a lot of properties because it's not considered a material fact. Um, A Material facts, just so you know what that is, are things like foundation issues, structural issues, leaks, like those are material facts or defects. Um, So physical condition, title, defects, or environmental environmental hazards are all things that could affect the property. Those are things you do disclose. But if you think it's haunted and you leave and somebody new comes in and they're like, hey, you should have told me that. Not to say maybe you shouldn't have told them that. That's just between you and your conscience. Um, But legally, there are no ramifications. Interesting. Um, I did think it was interesting. In Colorado, you don't have to disclose murder, suicide, or any kind of death on the property, which is interesting because in Texas, you do have to disclose murder under the Deceptive Trade Practices Act, but no other deaths. So the Texas Association of Realtors Sellers Disclosure 
literature even has a space that asks about deaths other than, quote, natural causes, suicide, or accidental, unrelated to the property deaths, is what it says. So basically, it's, it's a long way of saying, just tell us if somebody was killed here without, like, directly saying that. It's just saying, you don't have to disclose these things, but any other kind of death, which murder's, like, the only other one. So if, if you had a, if you were looking at a house in Colorado and there was a murder-suicide, they don't have to share that with you? Nope. Not cool. Cool. Not according to the internet. 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 So according to Steve uh, Steve Loaf Law Offices, these are just a little couple of factoids here. Uh, it's illegal to let a llama graze on city property. Uh, in Denver, <laughs> it's illegal to loan your vacuum to your neighbor. Also- What? Yeah, so don't do it. Why? I didn't get the why. I didn't read that why that law was passed, but it, I'm sure it's antiquated. I'm sure people, well, I don't know who's loaning out their vacuum. I don't loan out my vacuum, but yeah. I, I have had people. I, I have I've, had, I've borrowed your vacuum. <laughs> did you? My steam cleaner? Yes. Yeah. Or Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, help, helping clean out uh, one of those houses that's never been cleaned. Okay. But, okay. You were still doing yours. it for me. Yeah. Because that was uh, like one of our properties that we were trying to help clean out but i am weird about loaning out my steam cleaner to people because it has been broken before by a friend so i don't like loaning it out to people um, yeah i get that plus people give it back to you with like the dirty water and stuff and you're like do you think i wanted like the urine and poop and whatever else was in your carpet i really didn't want that um so also in denver a dog catcher must serve all dog notices of impounding for three consecutive days in a public space before they can actually pick up the dog well that's kind of cool yeah so so you need to make sure those dogs have had at least three warnings before they're actually caught by the dog catcher. So those are today's Colorado's arbitrary anecdotes. So thank you guys so much for listening and hanging out with us. We hope you enjoyed a couple of properties here in Colorado. If you are feeling so generous and you would like to send a Venmo to Haunted Real Estate, we are at Haunted RE. Definitely, if you do that, please leave us a property that you'd like us to cover or Tell us where you're from and we'll find a property around you if you don't have a specific one. If you'd like to just send a recommendation or an interesting real estate story, you can email us at hauntedrepod at gmail.com. And please go follow us on Instagram at haunted.real.estate. And that is the end for today. We hope that you enjoyed. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.